You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Domecast, the news and observer and insiders weekly foray into state government and politics. I'm Patrick Gannon, uh, filling in for Andy Curlis this week. We have the usual suspects on hand, Craig Jarvis of the News and Observer, Colin Campbell of the News and Observer, and Benjamin Brown of the Insider, here to talk today about uh, various goings-on of the week. It really wasn't that, I guess, that eventful of a week, although we did have the start of campaign election filing. Uh, hundreds of candidates from across the state have filed this week uh, to run. Weren't that many surprises. We'll talk about that later. So in our first segment, we'll talk to uh, Craig Jarvis, the News and Observer, about the gov- about Governor Pat McCrory's official announcement that he's entering uh, or that he's running for re-election next year. Um, in the second segment, we'll talk to we'll talk about the filings themselves. Have there been any surprises, or is this kind of uh, what we expect? And I'll also go around and ask our panelists uh, what races they think uh, are ones to watch uh, early on. Uh, as this uh, campaign season unfolds. And our final segment, of course, will be headliners of the week. So we're going to start today with Craig Jarvis, the News and Observer, who uh, follows the governor uh, routinely and and the governor's race as well. Uh, Good morning, Craig. Good morning. So what did we hear from Governor McCrory this week during his announcement? And he hasn't officially filed for re-election yet, right? That's right, as far as I know, unless he's out doing it right now. But he uh, he went uh, had an official kickoff in Kernersville. Uh, I think he grew up generally in the Triad area for a while. Uh, the day before that, or the evening before that, he released a video uh, uh, tipping his hand, that no, no surprise, but that he was going to run again. Uh, it was a very sedate, kind of so, almost somber video, uh, kind of evocative of, of, of something. But that, I'd say the main message in it was that uh, he stressed the economy, that he's, he is uh, taking credit for steering the state uh, into better uh, economic straits. Then uh, he concluded by saying, "I'm not running on uh, I'm not running on these accomplishments. There's more work to do." Um, I would say the tone of it just kind of contrasted with what we've been seeing recently from the uh, GOP and the and the in his campaign and uh, also uh, putting out more of a combative message that he's he's been fighting uh, uh, insiders and and Democrats and the uh, news media against various attacks all along and. Uh, uh, so that was kind of the two kind of the two sides of his his campaign approach that I think we'll see. And of course, uh, on the Democratic side, we expect um, Roy Cooper will will file for reelection, and uh, Al Spalding from from Durham, correct? Ken Spalding. I'm Ken Spalding. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Yeah. They're they're both in it. Ken Spalding's been running for two years. Uh, Redley admits he doesn't have the money. He doesn't expect to get the money that the others do, but. He has nowhere near the money the others do, so we'll see. I mean, it's uh, it, it's somebody's Cooper or Spalding have to survive the uh, March primary, and then and then it'll be face to face with McCrory. Any new word on whether uh, Governor McCrory will will get a primary opponent? I have not heard a word about that. I don't know if any of you guys have, but I have not heard any rumor or seen any signs of that at all. There was Robert Brawley, uh, the former oh, House yeah. member. Has he? Yeah, he 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 put on put up on Twitter one day that he was considering a run against the governor in a primary, but he hasn't filed yet. Yeah, no. Okay, thanks, Craig. Um, 
Now we're going to turn it over to uh, Colin Campbell and Ben Brown to talk a little bit about one of the specific items or, or talking points that the governor uh, made this week as he uh, as he announced that uh, he was running for re-election. Colin, uh, get us up up to speed on that issue. Yeah, so that was uh, the video that uh, Craig was just talking about. Uh, he, he starts off the video uh, with this anecdote about when he lost his job at uh, Duke Energy. He says, well, you know, he... Uh, had one of the worst days of his life when he had to come home and uh, tell his wife Anne that he had lost his job and that he didn't know what what was next. Um, and he didn't really go into detail much in the video. It's just kind of a brief anecdote leading into sort of how he understands the pain of people who are unemployed, uh, particularly the, the high unemployment rate when he uh, first took office. Um, so then the Democrats sort of pounced on that and said, wait a minute, you're a career Duke Energy guy. You really have no gaps in your resume. You you spent your entire career prior to becoming mayor of Charlotte as a employee of Duke Energy and a manager there. So they pointed back to this story uh, that the Greensboro News and Record did a couple of years ago about his Duke career. Um, and it turns out he did lose his job. His position was eliminated. Uh, but within about two or three weeks, uh, he was hired back in a uh, bigger position, better pay, but more responsibilities. Uh, so he wasn't around long enough to really, I guess, take on unemployment benefits, to, to have to worry about, you know, the future of his financial security, that sort of thing. So the Democrats were sort of taking issue of that. With, you don't really understand uh, what unemployed people go to go through. So uh, we did a little story about that uh, with the headline, uh, did Pat McCrory really get laid off and sort of outlined some of the Democrats' concerns and some of the, the backstory to the anecdote he told. Um, and that provoked a very strong response from uh, the GOP and the, the governor's office, who are uh, very concerned about anyone taking issue with that story. I got an email shortly after I posted the story from Dallas Woodhouse at the North Carolina Republican Party, who called it a completely irresponsible headline and, and said that the governor has told the story many, many times. And under any definition in the Western world, he was laid off. Uh, Dallas continues, I guess the Democrats and the News and Observer would rather people be off work for months or perhaps years to meet their own definition of laid off as opposed to one commonly understood in the English language and that used by the Employment Security Commission. So that was the response. And then a few hours after that, we saw a fundraising ploy from the uh, Pat McCrory campaign uh, that if you donated $5 to the uh, re-election bid, you could get your very own bumper sticker that says, I don't believe the News and Observer. And that email, it actually references back to the story, which is far from the most negative press that the governor has gotten from the Inno or other news outlets this month, but uh, apparently something he was he was quite upset about being questioned on. Yeah, it's interesting. I could see where the where the governor's uh, campaign and, and the governor's people would, would really not like the editorial pages of the News and Observer uh, a lot of times. But I, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but they really haven't, other than headlines uh, occasionally, they really haven't pointed to that many facts that have been erroneous in any News and Observer story about, yeah. about the governor. Yeah, they use the term false and misleading to describe a lot of our stories, but they, uh, again, aside from sort of headlines and photo captions and stuff where they question some of the wording when things get simplified, there's not been a allegation that anything's been wrong, but um, I, I guess the choice is just not to believe what's, what's being reported um, if it's not. Uh, favorable. All right, Ben Brown, um, you've heard the governor tell the story uh, mm -hmm. about his being laid off or, or whatever uh, we want to call it. Tell us about that. How yeah, long ago was that? Um, actually, almost exactly a year ago. It was October 2014. He was at the uh, the grand opening of the uh, the Wake County NC Works Career Center, just kind of uh, there to give a pep talk. But um, he actually said at the time, it's a story he's told very, very few times. That's a direct quote from the governor. Um, 
basically saying, you know, uh, and again, he kind of gave the story as a pep talk to the people who uh, were going to go through the career center and, and get job readiness and connections to career opportunities. And he told this story about how it just really punched him in the gut to hear that his job had been eliminated, that they didn't need him anymore. And I, I think he said that his wife had recently at some point quit her job. And then all of a sudden, kind of like the walls come crumbling down. Here's another quote from him. He says, um, this is a moment that still sticks in my gut, in my craw. It impacts your confidence. It impacts your pocketbook. It impacts your current state of mind and your future. And that feeling still sticks with me today. But he also told sort of the, the rest of that story, which is that, you know, basically immediately he got his job back or he got a, a, a new position with the company with a different set of responsibilities. He sort of related that the Duke Energy Superiors asked him to stick around and, you know, it was a round of layoffs. So a lot of people were losing their jobs. They wanted him to help them out with their resumes and kind of like, you know, align themselves to move ahead and get new jobs elsewhere. And he said, yeah. So I guess... He, the way he put it was that his superiors there were so impressed with how he handled that that they, you know, just weeks later, I think it was three weeks later, they offered him a new job as training director. And here's another quote from him at that time uh, from a year ago. He says, thank God I didn't say shove it. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm mad. I went ahead and did my work. And then he says, you know, dot, dot, dot. Many years later, I happen to be the governor of North Carolina. So I, I, I think it's it's the not telling of that part in the video that kind of elicited that response from uh, from his critics who were saying, you know, you can't just say I lost my job. This is not the same thing as someone, you know, being out of work and, uh, you know, kind of having to struggle over a period of a year or more and go through, you know, benefits and things like that that kind of help you get on your feet or stay on your feet. So the governor is officially in, uh, he says. He hasn't officially filed yet, but he, is, he has announced that he's running for re-election. We know Attorney General Roy Cooper is. We know uh, Durham uh, Democrat Ron Spaulding is in. We're waiting to hear if, if anybody else will. Ken Spaulding. Oh. <laughs> you know, this this goes to show, like, uh, I guess how uh, low-key his campaign has been and how little attention he's gotten. It's, it's hard to remember his first I, name. I used to know an Al Spaulding back in Wilmington. That's where Al Spaulding came from. Ron, I have no idea. I guess it ends in an end. <laughs> um, I'm also a little bit under the weather, so it might be the cold medicine. Um, but anyway... Uh, we'll be back with our second second segment uh, right after this. In 2016, when you go to the polls, bring your passion and be sure to bring a photo ID. You see, this election, you'll be asked to show an acceptable photo ID at the polls. If you don't have an ID or if you're unable to obtain one, there are still options for voting. There are lots of acceptable IDs, but only one you. This election, be seen, be heard. For information on exceptions or for help getting a free ID, visit voteridnc.gov or call 866-522-4723. And we're back on our second segment of this week, this week's Domecast. Um, here with Colin Campbell again uh, from the News and Observer. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the filing the campaign election filing period which started on tuesday the time period which runs through december 21st when people who want to run for office in in 2016 sign their name and pay their pay their fee uh, to get on the ballot uh colin was at the state board of elections on tuesday uh as the first uh flock of candidates uh came in to uh 
to file. What did you see there? Give us a little sense of, uh, of the atmosphere. Yeah, so when the filing opened at noon on Tuesday, State Board of Elections office in downtown Raleigh was packed and not really packed with candidates you'd recognize. A lot of the folks there were uh, district and superior court judges who under some weird quirk in the state law have to go to Raleigh when they file for re-election as opposed to uh, doing it in their local county boards of elections. But you did see a lot of folks coming in trying to be first in line. The first guy there was uh, A.J. Dowd, who's a Republican running for Secretary of State. He got there the day before and sat outside the Board of Elections for a total of like 30 hours so that he could be first in line and kind of have that uh, distinction, get a little bit of attention to his campaign. Uh, a lot of other people decided to file on the first day for the same reason so that uh, for the most part you don't see any surprises during the filing period most people particularly this year when the primary is only a few months away have launched their campaign months ago and, and already have, have gotten pretty far down the road but when it comes to filing it's this sort of pomp and circumstance event where these guys come in there they've got their uh their entire entourage and almost you know they've got supporters who've got the buttons they've got the signs they've got a photographer to document all the signing of the paperwork and that sort of thing uh and then you've got reporters hanging out looking for a story on a slow news week uh who are standing in front of this backdrop that the state board of elections has put up that you know, has all the logos and voter information or stuff on it uh, and interviewing candidates as they're coming and going almost like it's a sort of bizarre red carpet treatment <laughs> in a sense. And and really the only surprise we had by going down there uh, was I did get to see Dale Falwell, who was uh, signing up to run. And he had uh, said the week before he wasn't sure yet. He had quit his job as the head of the uh, Division of Employment Security uh, but wasn't willing to say what he was going to do next. And then we see him down at the board filing, and he, he makes his announcement there. But that was really the only person there that we didn't expect we were going to see down there. And Dale Falwell's running for treasurer. Yeah, he's running for treasurer uh, as a Republican uh, to succeed Janet Cowell, who sort of surprised everyone when she stepped down. So he's in a position where he didn't have to really start earlier because no one really got a good start on that race because they didn't think that Cowell was going to um, not run. And he has he has some statewide name recognition as well due to his his history as a legislator and uh, with the employment. Security. Yeah, and he's sort of running on this whole idea of you know he just announced that they had retired the debt for the uh, unemployment insurance program. Um, the governor's been touting that a lot. He's been touting that and says he wants to do the same thing for the the debts in the state retirement and state health plans. Thanks, Colin. We heard we just heard Colin say that there weren't too many uh, surprises. Uh, uh, with filing period this week in terms of who has filed uh, to run. Most of the, the names that we've seen uh, signed up so far are, are people we expected, both in statewide races as well as in uh, uh, Senate and House General Assembly seats. Ben Brown, there were a couple of surprises of people not running this week. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, one that uh, I think landed on the opening day of filing was uh, Representative Chris Whitmire um, in the House. He's a Republican from Transylvania County who said that um, his military experience has led him to um, to a related position that he couldn't turn down. And he put out uh, an email to supporters, to colleagues, saying, you know, I'm going to finish out my term, but I can't turn this down. You know, I think we've done some great work for North Carolina. Let's keep it up. But I have to, you know, opportunity knocks, essentially. Um, and he was somebody, I, I think, with an overlapping geographic area with Apodaca and uh, Chuck McGrady, Representative Chuck McGrady, one of the local papers, I think it was the Hendersonville Lightning or something, considered Whitmire uh, kind of someone who was gaining influence for his military experience. Uh, he's in the Air Force Reserve, I believe, and he was on some committees that kind of contributed to veteran and 
uh, military related legislation and all of that. So he's, you know, he's stepping away. He said he thinks that a like minded person is going to step up. Um, another one would be uh, Trisha Cotham in the House, uh, Democrat, who's um, been there four and a half terms. And she, you know, she's been rumored as someone who would run for superintendent of public instruction. Of course, June Atkinson said that she wants to keep that seat. Um, you know, Tom Apodaca is another one. Uh, and and it's, it's hard to say that that's too much of a surprise. He kind of telegraphed or telescoped it a little bit, saying, I'm going to talk with my family over Thanksgiving over, you know, my future plans. But it still kind of fits into something worth mentioning just because of his legislative muscle, his power. He's always talked about as like a power player in the legislature. Yeah, Senator Apodaca, uh, Senate Rules Chairman, that wasn't really a surprise. Um, there had been rumors for the, the entire session that he might uh, step away after uh, this biennium. Uh, Trisha Cotham, a little more surprising to me, at least. She had told me, um, you know, towards the end of session that if the voters would have her back, she planned to run. So I don't know what happened there. I know she has a very young family um, back in the Charlotte, uh, Mecklenburg area. Um, so there's three, Whitmire, uh, Cotham, and Apodaca who are out. They join uh, well over a dozen other uh, incumbents who well, who have said they're, or current legislators who have said they're not going to run. Uh, for re-election in 2016. Now we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to go around the table and um, based on who has filed so far or who we know is going to file, I'd like to ask everybody, we'll start with Colin, then we'll go with Ben and and Craig. Um, What do you think will be a race to watch uh, either in the General Assembly or uh, a statewide uh, ballot race um, in, in 2016? Um, I think we need to be watching the attorney general's race. Obviously, Roy Cooper is, uh, after a decade or so in that office, is uh, moving up to try to run for governor. So that's pretty much wide open. Um, the front runners being uh, State Senator Josh Stein is a Democrat from Raleigh, State Senator uh, Buck Newton, a Republican from over in Wilson. Uh, and then there's, I think, the Forsyth County DA, I forget his name, is also going to be in the Republican primary uh, for that seat. Um, and there's been interest in this for quite some time. Josh Stein, if you uh, cover him at all at the legislature uh, this past session, you've seen that there's a, a tracker, a guy with a, a small video camera who's followed his every move in the hopes that I guess he would make some sort of gaffe that could be used against him on the, the campaign trail. I don't know if they've got any anything good uh, out of that uh, highlight reel yet, but it shows the, the level of interest in, in trying to make sure a particular party gets that governor's uh, attorney general's office. Um, and I think that's partly because attorney generals just around the country are playing a bigger role as a lot of uh, legislation goes to lawsuits. The attorney general gets to decide, you know, whether we're going to def- defend the uh, lawsuit, how far we're going to push it in court. Uh, and that's something that both parties have a, a very strong interest in, in making sure they have control over. Another uh, bit of intrigue in that race, uh, both uh, Buck Newton and Josh Stein were on the Senate Rules Committee, if I'm not mistaken, and Senator Apodaca, who is the chairman of that committee like to crack jokes in in Senate Rules uh, Committee meetings about Stein and Newton going head to head. Basically, everybody knew a long time ago that they were both going to run. Uh, so there were several examples. Lobbyists who 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 were in Senate Rules Committees would remember those uh, times when when Senator Apodaca, who was often a jokester, would would uh, pit those two uh, against each other. Uh, ben Brown, mm. your turn. I- I'm going to say, and this kind of goes back to my old neck of the woods, which is Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, Andrew Barnhill is a Democrat. He's filing to run against uh, Senator Michael Lee, 
Republican from Wilmington. Uh, Barnhill is a, uh, I believe he works for a community development nonprofit. Uh, Lee is a lawyer. Um, Lee hasn't been there for a long time, but that seat in particular has kind of been interesting. It's it's the old Tom Goolsby seat. And I guess prior to that, that would have been Julia Bozeman. If, Correct. Right, right. So, you know, th- there's been some flip. There's been some, you know, some DNR interplay there. And just curious to see what the outcome is right there. It's, you know, like I said, it's 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 a metro area. It's Wilmington. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just intrigued to see what comes of that race, if it's, it's, it's going to go back to D. And I believe there's something about Julia Bozeman who weighed in on this. Yeah, there was a, a fundraising email that went out uh, yesterday from former Senator Bozeman uh, in support of Andrew Barnhill, basically asking for money for his campaign and saying that, that that seat, uh, I think at some point in the letter she called it my, you know, my former seat, um, th- and that that seat should, needs to go back to uh, Democratic hands. Um, she's all for Andrew Barnhill, not surprisingly. She's kind of kept a little bit involved in in politics. There, we see her, uh, you know, uh, supporting Democratic candidates as she did uh, two years ago as well. That's former Senator Bozeman, Craig Jarvis. Well, I, like most of us, will be watching the governor's race, uh, presuming it's Roy Cooper versus Pat McCrory. Um, it's It looks really tight right now. I think there's no reason to think it's going to be anything but a very close race this time, almost this time next year. Uh, a lot of national groups have been putting it as one of the biggest races to watch. In fact, this week, Roll Call came out and, and mentioned it as a, as, a, as a key race. They kind of handicapped a number of the gubernatorial races. They pointed out that the state went for Obama in 2008, flipped over to Romney in 2012. Uh, they say that could bode well for Republicans, but then McCrory hasn't had really commanding poll numbers either. So uh, with all that said, they uh, roll call listed it, uh, listed it as a tilts Republican race. So that's where we're at with that. So there's three three races to watch. Uh, we'll, I assume on Domecast at some point in the near future, we'll, we'll do some more when we know how the the field uh, shapes up for all of the uh, Senate and House races. Um, And we'll be back right after this with Headliners of the Week. Social Security believes the integrity of our programs is important. To protect the people we serve and the services we offer, we use many tools to identify, prevent, and stop fraud. We identify fraud by using tools that predict the chance of fraud happening. We also have stiff penalties that discourage people from committing fraud. Social Security has zero tolerance for fraud and so should you. If you suspect someone is committing Social Security fraud, report it online at http colon slash slash oig.ssa.gov slash report or call the Social Security Fraud Hotline at 1-800-269-0271. And we're back for our final segment that we like to call Headliners of the Week. Uh, we're here with Craig Jarvis of the NNO, uh, Benjamin Brown of the Insider, and Colin Campbell of the News and Observer. Um, we're going to start with Craig Jarvis, the News and Observer, who is your Headliner of the Week. Well, anybody who's been watching the newspaper industry over the last decade knows that it's been in bad shape. A variety of market forces show it uh, have caused have caused deep cuts across the board. So it's really counterintuitive to anybody uh, who's been paying attention to go out and start a newspaper. But that's exactly what uh, somebody is doing. Um, uh, it's going to be called the North State Journal. It's going to be an actual print product. They're going to be a statewide newspaper. The John Scavarla, the uh, former dean or secretary, current commerce secretary, has his fingerprints all over this. But my headliner this week is Neil Robbins, who used to work for Scavarla. 
Uh, he's the guy putting the putting uh, behind the project. He tells me Scavarla has nothing to do with it. Uh, Robin says he's out there raising money from a number of investors and uh, more power to him if he can create some competition and some journalism jobs. So Neil Neil Robbins is my uh, choice. Craig Jarvis goes with Neil Robbins, who's kind of um, trying to defy the odds, it seems, with with a new with a new uh, newspaper. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm interested to see. Uh, Benjamin Brown or The Insider, who is your headliner of the week? Well, because I'm at The Insider, I'm going to do this sort of insider fashion. Um, <clears throat> people who read The Insider definitely like to follow certain committees, especially the, the Joint Legislative Program Evaluation Oversight Committee, which receives reports from the Program Evaluation Division, which is kind of the watchdog agency inside the legislature. And one of its first staffers, when PED was launched, I think in 2007, one of its earliest staffers was Pam Taylor. Um, she's participated in dozens and dozens and dozens of reports to the legislature, many of which have influenced legislation. Well, she is taking a job at uh, Wellesley College outside of Boston, and uh, and she's leaving this month. So she's working on her final report right now. It has to do with the county uh, economic development tier system. And a um, little bit of trivia, she's also a published poet. But because of her departure and because of her participation in a lot of uh, studies that have led to legislation, some of which has passed, uh, I'm going to say Pam Taylor at PED. Definitely an insidery choice from Ben Brown. Pam Taylor of the Program Evaluation Division is in the hat. Colin Campbell, who's your headliner of the week? Well, I'm going with uh, Donald Trump, who is uh, making his, uh, I think, second visit to Raleigh uh, this year. Uh, tonight, Friday night, uh, if you're listening over the weekend, it's already happened, and you can check our coverage at newsobserver.com. Uh, Lynn Bonner's going to be there covering that tonight. He's going to be doing a rally at the uh, Dorton Arena on the state fairgrounds uh, t- uh, tonight. It's going to be really interesting to watch uh, whether he can fill that place up. I think it uh, seats about six or 7,000 people, um, and word about this is going to get out mostly through word of mouth. Uh, he hasn't really done any advertising for it. So uh, we'll see what he says. Will he make any news, say anything uh, newly inflammatory? And uh, will he be able to, to draw the crowd that he wants to see uh, in his second visit to North Carolina? My guess is he will draw the crowd and he'll say something inflammatory. It's just my guess. <laughs> so uh, Donald Trump in the hat as well. So we have uh, Donald Trump. We have Pam Taylor from PED and we have Neil Robbins who's starting a new newspaper given the fact that we're sitting in the publishers conference room in the bowels of the the news and observer I'm going to go with Neil Robbins a guy who worked for uh Diener for a while is is starting a new uh newspaper um who knows I I mean you know you got to give the guy uh props for for um uh, being aggressive and and um, trying something that seems to be going against the flow, uh, so we're going to go with Neil Robbins, the North State Journal, uh, as our headliner of the week, and that'll do it for today's edition of the Domecast. Uh, we will see you soon. You've been listening to the Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the daily print edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.